0: It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson. Are you ready to get real, break through, and learn how to make your midlife the best time of your life? Take on those life challenges and turn them into opportunities? Let's rock, here's Dr. Ellen.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife. I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. And happy new year if you're listening to the live show or it's the first couple of weeks of January. I hope you had a wonderful holiday and are doing great. If you're a new listener, welcome to the program. It's super high energy. And today we're really going to help you not just rock your midlife, but rock your 2023. We're going to be talking about how to get fit, how to eat right, how to be healthy and feel great Real midlife wellness solutions, but we're going to really also clear away all of these BS solutions and misconceptions that we have, starting with New Year's resolutions. You know, this time of year, you can't listen to a podcast or pick up a magazine a newspaper without hearing something about resolutions and you know we make them we break them in fact research shows that 91 percent of people who set new year's resolutions fail to keep them new year's resolutions absolutely don't work but you know we all want to be healthier we wanna eat better. We wanna exercise more. We wanna lose some weight um, and we wanna succeed. But today, rather than setting resolutions, I wanna give you some real solutions. We're gonna be talking with fitness expert Judy Arizosa, who's going to share her secrets to building strength and confidence. And then I'll be talking with general practice and lifestyle medicine physician, Dr. Lucy Burns, who is going to share her formula for real health and tell us how we can condition our brains. To manage nighttime eating so if you're one of those people out there who is really struggling with eating in the evening you want to listen for that and we're gonna have great fitness solutions for you as well but i wanted to start off by talking about why resolutions fail and what works instead you know for me The reason that resolutions fail, and I'll say this this year in 1993, I will, sorry, 1993, 2023, I'm going way back. I became a dietitian in 1993. So I have been a nutritionist for 30 years this year, and I have seen so many people fail at resolutions. And the reason that we fail is really that the mindset is totally wrong. These resolutions are all about what's wrong with us. They're focused on shame. We, you know, end up shooting all over ourselves. So I should w- you lose weight. I should eat less. I should eat more vegetables. I should exercise more. And what ends up happening is, we just get exhausted. We become our own worst enemies. We feel ashamed when we fail. We just want to quit. So there's nothing kind of positive and uplifting about them. They also tend to be very rigid and they lack the three S's which is specificity, what you exactly are going to do, support, there's no built-in support, and you also don't have smart goals, goals that are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-sensitive. They're kind of this vague, I'm going to lose weight this year, I'm going to get out of debt, I'm going to meet the love of my life, but it doesn't have this... Immediacy and this energy and power. What really works is intention setting, and I'm here to let you know that I am doing an intention setting workshop. The information on it is in the show notes. It's happening January 11th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can grab the replay if you can't make it then. But I'm going to show you exactly what intentions are, how to set them, how to use them to really energize you so you feel confident and excited about your year and reach your goals. So. What works is first of all intention setting what you intend to do the specific things you want to do how you want to feel why you want to do it and then after you set your intention You want to focus on your well-being. Forget about the quick results. That is how the diet industry makes a living. I think it's a multi-billion dollar industry where they are selling us magic bullet solutions that absolutely don't work. The four pillars of well-being are, first of all, eating right, healthy diet. Doesn't need to be crazy. It really is a whole foods, plant-based diet. So eating more plants Eating less processed foods, eating less. And I think that Dr. Lucy will agree. She'll talk about it later. I find for midlife women, also, you know, watching the carbs. I think that's the area, particularly the refined carbs, that we need to take a look at. I find so many midlife women are looking at the scale in the waistline, blaming it on menopause when they are you know, watching Netflix and eating potato chips. And so we have to really drill down on what we are eating. So healthy diet is first, daily movement. And Judy's going to talk all about that, how we can get stronger, more fit, and how that's going to help us to feel great and be more confident. Sleep. So important. That's something that I've been focusing a ton of my energy on is getting a better night's sleep. Totally important for feeling great, looking great, so much better than any makeup you could apply under your eyes, right? Getting great sleep. And it's super important for our health as well as our weight. When we are hungry, we actually um, have a harder time regulating our blood sugar levels We might confuse being tired with needing food. It really messes up our metabolism. So, you want to sleep well. And also, you want to deal with your stress. When we are stressed out, and let's face it, we live in a very stressful world and we don't know how to manage our stress, cortisol levels go up. And what this does is it generates fat deposition around the midline. So, you want to move your body to help you with that stress and also work on things that bring more joy and peace into your life. So, working your well being set some intentions, and finally also create some habits. Really, you want to be creating habits that stick. So creating a daily walking habit, rituals around eating, put an apple in your bag or a small handful of almonds for a snack, and I guarantee that the intention setting, the right mindset, the focus on well-being and habit formation will really have you being fit and well in 2023. So let me introduce our first guest. She is a dear friend who I met, I think we met on Instagram. She is Judy Arizosa. She owns and operates Grateful Fitness, a strength program for women over 40. She's a pro bodybuilder. She became a pro bodybuilder in her fifties. She's now a podcaster. She's an amazing influencer. She's a wife of 39 years and she's a grandmother to five grandkids. And if you saw her on Instagram, you would be like, what? She looks better than most 29 year olds. Plus she's just super sweet and knowledgeable. Her core value is to improve the lives of others by uplifting women through awareness, physical activity, and embracing an attitude of gratitude. She believes women attain this confidence in large part by strength training, which very often coincides with cultivation of other forms of strength from within. She's going to share her fitness philosophy and why meeting basic needs is more important than detox or fad diets. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Judy. So awesome to have you here.
2: Thank you so much for having me on. And it was a very kind introduction.
1: <laughs> well, it's all true. I, I actually, I get uh, motivated by looking at you. You know, I work out every day, but I, I'm i kind of 2023. 20, I need to switch it up a little bit. I kind of do the same things every day, which kind of works, but I'd love to, to get a little bit more, a little stronger, a little bit more definition, have a little bit more fun. So let's talk about first, um, why are detox and fad diets not the way to go?
2: Well, I'm so glad you asked that question because, and of course the three of us on here, we already are on this wavelength of, you know, not succumbing to fads. First of all, it's an industry that is for-profit, you know, and it's the number one goal of the industry is to make money. They really don't care about our health and well being, but they sell on our pain points. But that's besides the point. What we really need to do is we don't, we, you've already mentioned it all in the intro. We need to just eat a plant forward diet, you know, move our body. And, you know, there's so many ways to move your body. And yes, you know, you're going to get the most benefit out of strength training, but any movement is great. So, you know, and I can talk about that in a minute, but what you don't really need to do any of those fad things or anything drastic, unless eating healthy is drastic for you, then in that case, it's drastic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and they they tend to backfire. First of all, you don't need to detox. Your body naturally detoxes every single day. And there's certainly lots of things that get the plant-based diet, lots of water, fresh air, skin brushing, things like that to help with that process. But I find we get so hungry that we, all we want to do is eat. We think about food all the time. So fad diets really do backfire. And of course the diet industry wants you to fail so that you try another one and another one. And we end up feeling so bad about ourselves. So I think that, that they do more harm than good. So let's talk first about basic needs. You talk a lot about this on your Instagram, the importance of meeting our basic needs. What are they and how do we do it?
2: Yeah, I'm super focused on on getting this message of basic needs. So number one, if you're hungry, eat. You know, eat until you're moderately full. If you're tired, sleep. If you're angry, find a safe outlet. You know, go for a walk, call someone, whatever. If you're anxious, talk about it. Those are your basic needs. And I think the root of a lot of our overweight problems with people is that we're using food in a way to meet our basic needs. Maybe we're tired, but we're eating, we're not sleeping. Maybe we're anxious and we're running to the pantry or the vending machine, you know, and, you know maybe we're angry, you know, and so it's food has become a soothing thing. And I don't know if it's new or not, you know, it's. I think it's. it's a lot more prevalent than, you know it's it's a lot of these problems, it's not about the food although we can all learn how to eat healthier. I think a lot of Americans, well, I can't speak for I think a lot of people in general, you know, don't understand what healthy eating is, but we're gonna talk about that on the second half of this. um, So I'll leave it, but you know, a lot of the problems are how we deal with problems such as like stress, like you mentioned, you know, our reaction to stress for so many people is to reach for unhealthy food, you know? And again, the food industry, I don't even know if it's the food industry, the junk food industry, has made salty, fatty, refined carbohydrate food very palatable. And it's before you know it, you can eat a whole bag of something and you've consumed like two days worth of energy that you really don't need, you know, and it it doesn't do you any good.
1: Yeah, they actually... Uh, find the, what's called the bliss point. They find that point where your brain just goes, bing, that tastes so good. What I tell my clients is remember, remember the anacronym HALT, which stands for hungry, angry, or anxious that you mentioned, lonely, and tired. When you're you know, wanting to grab food, just pause for a moment and ask yourself, am I really physiologically hungry? If you're physiologically hungry, the hunger is not going to go away. It's going to remain there. So if you're hungry, yes, have a snack, have a meal. But if you're angry or anxious, lonely or tired, find a way that's going to meet your needs. So let's talk a little bit about working out because that really is your area of expertise. If someone's listening and they want to get in shape and they are nowhere, they have become a couch potato, you know, it was covid They've been wearing sweatpants. They put on weight. They haven't moved their bodies at all. How do we start? What do you tell people who are real newbies to working out and aspire to be where you're at, but really are just starting out?
2: You know, I think you mentioned this also. I definitely start with just moving in a way that you can do. Make it something you can do. So can you, maybe you haven't, can't even make it to the mailbox. Walk to the mailbox every day. You know, maybe when that becomes easy, um, you know, walk to the end of the block you know, cultivate a walking habit and it will serve you for your whole life, you know, and then we can move on to strength training. But I I think to start slow, you know, start with walking. If you're ready, if you think you want to go to a gym or you want to hire an online trainer, then you need to do your research and find someone who specializes in your, where you are in your stage of life and your fitness level, and so on. So, like, you don't want to go to a meathead if you're a 72 year old woman who's coming off the couch. Well, you maybe know, you do gonna... want to go to a
1: meathead, it might be kind of fun. But... <laughs> but I think I love that you said starting with walking. And I think we need to change this conversation for some reason eating right and moving your body has gotten this reputation as punishment. Like we've been bad, we overeat in the holidays and now we need to punish ourselves. I love to walk. I would say too, a great thing to do is go get a dog. If you want to get in shape, get yourself a four-footed personal fitness trainer. I have a border collie. So I got to walk her every day or she will rip the house apart. I mean, she's actually pretty good natured, but you know, she expects her daily walk. And I love walking Rosie. Sometimes I listen to a podcast, Sometimes I meet a friend. It's really, I go with my man. It's something that's enjoyable. So I think we need to change that. And as you said, start small, get yourself some good sneakers, you know, maybe get a subscription to something like audible. So you can listen to some books on tape, set some specific goals for yourself. I always tell people to sleep in your workout clothing or put your you know, gym, your workout, your walking stuff by your bed. So you do it first thing in the morning, but it's put it in your calendar. You have to you know, make the time in your schedule and it is so important and it really will pay you back in terms of feeling good, both physically and mentally. So let's jump into strength training because I know that's really your forte. Um, What are some of the benefits to working out that have nothing to do with weight loss?
2: Oh, I, I always tell people do not think of it as a weight loss thing. You know, there are so many. Well, first of all, it's a fabulous stress reliever you know, and I know some people can have some anxiety about coming to the gym or working out online or working out by themselves. Um, but actually I do have a podcast coming out about gym anxiety, but, you know, strength training does so many things for you. It, it can help with depression. It can help reduce your risk for diseases like cardiovascular disease, strokes, um, diabetes, all sorts of things. It, what it really does putting muscle on your frame, especially if you're in midlife and beyond, is, is really important because we normally lose muscle starting at roughly the age of 30. Now, you're not gonna notice a lot of muscle loss between maybe 30 and 40, but between 30 and 50, and 30 and 60, 30 and 70, you're gonna lo- notice that your body does not hold on to muscle if you don't do something to build it back up. So at this point, I- at midlife, most women are really working out to maintain what they have and also to strengthen your bones. I mean, the, the benefits are far and wide. The big, the stress relief between walking and strength training is amazing. It really is.
1: Yeah. And I just like being strong. You know, I'm I'm actually getting ready in a couple of weeks. I'm going to Costa Rica and we're gonna be doing like zip lining and hiking and white river rafting and all kinds of things. And I just turned 60 and I'm you know really proud to say I'm you know I can still lift 20-pound dumbbells over my head. I can put my suitcase, you know, up in the overhead bin, I can pick up my dog. I feel really, really good. So having that functional ability is is super powerful and What's really exciting is no matter what age you are, you can still build muscle. I just want to add too, if you're listening, it's really important if you're over 50, make sure you get enough protein, particularly if you're strength training. Women after 50 actually need... Uh, more protein per, per a pound of body weight than they do beforehand. So make sure that you're, you know, getting good sources of that. So people who are listening we sort of talked about the starting a walking program. If someone's going to the next level and they want to start working out, they want to start strength training, where do we start?
2: You know, there are a number of ways to start. A little bit will depend on the personality of the person. Do you want to go to a gym? Do you want to go to a small boutique studio? Do you want to train online? Do you want to get an app and work? You know, are you pretty, do you kind of have a little bit of like knowledge of that? Maybe you can deal with it from an app. Those are some options. And and what I would say is think about it carefully and think what's going to suit your personality best. And the the program style that you're going to pick is the one that you can see yourself doing indefinitely long-term. Like I personally have never ever belonged to a gym. I never have. I've always been like, I'll do it myself. I'll, uh, you know, which is what led me to where I am today. And especially because I found there was just such a lack of availability for midlife women to do these things and to do it, you know, in a safe environment and, and also a comforting environment, but find what matches for you and then go ahead and do it that way. You know, some women just like to have their own weights. I have other women who come into my studio they will not do anything at home they want they want to be together we want to be social especially post-covid
1: yeah that's a good point know what works for you so if you are the kind of person who is going to be intimidated in the gym then you know figure out something at home it doesn't have to be crazy it's so easy to just get a couple dumbbells or mm-hmm. You can also use body weight. I also have uh, the, the stretchy bands, which I absolutely love, but I personally love the gym. Although now I live on a little island in Lake Champlain and there is, there are no gyms on my island. I think the nearest gym is probably about a 40, 50 minute uh, drive. So I think you have to think about convenience. Um, but, you know, and also I know you offer as well, Online training, is that correct? So people are looking for an online trainer, how do you work with people and how does in general, how does that work? If someone's feeling, "Oh my gosh, Judy, I don't know where to start and I would love to to work with you or find a trainer. How do we start finding the right right fit?
2: So you know, I will talk with people. And yes, I do have online memberships, and we train both live and then members, both my in-person and online members, have access to an entire video library with hundreds of videos that they can do on the off day. So maybe they're going to train with me two days a week. And then if they want, or maybe we talk about it, if they think like, well, I think I can train three days a week, you know, I'll point them in the right direction. I'll say, you know, look at the membership library and you know, it's all divided into whether it's upper body, lower body, total body, you know um, interval workouts, or maybe it's just a recovery workout. They have their choices and so they can pick and choose and and add as they like. But again, it's, it's picking what they know they're gonna do consistently.
1: Yeah, that's so important. And I think it's really important to, again, write it in your schedule. And I think also get some accountability. I find so many yeah. people I work with, they really need that accountability. They need to sort of set the goals then write it in their their planner book and then mm-hmm. also have that accountability. So whether you hire someone or you work out with a friend, just have or their, you know, your spouse get that type of accountability. So you also say that um you should embrace boring workouts. Why?
2: Because it you know it's so funny because if you look on social media, you're gonna see all these Sensational basically moves, but what people don't understand is that person probably did like 20 or more takes, it probably took them weeks, months, or years to learn, and they're very proud of it. So they're going to show it on social media. But is it the best workout for the average Jane who you know who knows where she is? We can't compare our year one to someone else's year 20. But the thing with being boring, so the basics work, all trainers know that the basics work. And so you have to, we have to, I have to sell my clients and say, listen, we're going to do the same workout. I'll give them like four weeks. We do like four-ish week programs. And that gives them four weeks to get stronger at doing the same thing. And right about when they, you know, and they will see from the beginning of the month to the end, they're all picking up heavier weights, you know, or they're resting less or they're getting more reps in. You know, if I'm saying, you know, let's see how many of these you can do for time. You know, maybe they're finishing it in 17 minutes instead of 20 minutes. Those are all ways to measure progress. And you can't really make progress if you're not doing the same thing. So we, you know, and the changes are minor, but we'll do the same thing, whether they work out two, three, five days a week for four-ish weeks, and then we change it up again. So that kind of helps. To me, that's a happy medium for most people where you get right on the edge of boredom, and then you know you're going to start again. But you need I to like be it cons- too.
1: Yeah. Also, it's kind of reminds me of like the sort of Steve Jobs approach to always wearing the black t-shirt, right? Like I kind of do the same thing a lot, but it gets done. I have like specific podcasts I like. I do it like two or three times a week. And, and but I, I'm curious, any ideas on switching up? I'd like to switch my routine up a little bit. I, you know, tend to do shoulders, arms, back, chest, and then, you know, and legs. Any ideas and I do full body, but I'm kind of would love to switch it up for someone who is, you know, pretty seasoned. I've been a personal fitness trainer and I've been working out since pretty much my whole life since I was about 18. I've been going to the gym thoughts about switching it up a little bit this year.
2: Yeah, that's a really great question. If you always do total body, I would maybe break it up. Now, if you're working out three days a week, here's a goal that I, I have for pretty much everyone. And and this is based on research. Um, try to get each body part in twice a week. So let's say you're working out three days a week. You could do an upper body day, a lower body day, and a total body day for this month. You know, try to do that. You could do, you might do mix your upper and lower body in different ways if you want to mix it up a different way. So you might do, I don't know, you might put your hinge with your squat day and have a total lower body day, or you might put your hinge with your press day. So then you're getting an upper and lower and then maybe you'll do a pull with your squat day. So just different ways, but mixing it up and really trying to get in each body part twice a week. And you don't have to work out for hours. You really don't. You know, it's it depends on your goals. If your goals are to to maintain strength and be able to do, you know, lift that suitcase on the airplane. Go on the hike, zip line, do all the fun things. You don't want to live life on the sidelines. And that is one of my favorite things to say to people. This is a great reason to work out. Um, you know, body parts twice a week. And I don't even say body parts. What I like to talk about are movement patterns. And am I? can I mention those really quick? Of course. Because I, I prefer to think of it in, in that term. So there's hinging, which are things like deadlift and hip thrust, kettlebell swings. There's squatting, just squatting, right? There's pull moves, which primarily will work your back and biceps. There's push moves for chest, shoulders, and triceps. Then there's lunges, which are any kind of lower body, single side work. And that's really important for core work, for balance. And then there is carrying. People think like farmer carries, like you're going to carry, if you're home, you can carry anything heavy. Load up your suitcases, load up your backpacks, heaviest dumbbells, water jugs, whatever. But also, if you think of a plank, a plank is like a carry because you're holding your body up, right? Turkish get-ups are carries. You know, I love Turkish get-ups. I love kettlebells. Um, They're so beneficial. But those are the six movement patterns, and those are what you want to try to train twice a week and throw in some rotation with it.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to dust off my kettlebell because I have, I think a 15 or 20 pound kettlebell that I haven't used. And you actually really inspired me. I was watching you on Instagram of the, you know, you're lying. Is that the Turkish up? You're lying mm-hmm. down and then you yes. come all the way up. I think I need more flowing movements and a little bit more, uh, just, just some goals to mix it up and make it a little bit more fun. And I haven't heard of that idea of hinging. That's really interesting as, you know, sort of as hinge moves.
2: Yeah. Hinges are, yeah. Deadlifts, kettlebell swings, hip thrusts that's, you're moving, okay, hinges speak right to the biggest muscle in your body, which is your buttocks, right? Your gluteus and your maximus, maximus minimus, and medius. And so people think that squat is, a, a, is what works your glutes the most, but actually hinges are more glute focused.
1: And we all want tight buns. Absolutely. I know I'm going to be doning a bathing suit very soon as I'm going to Costa Rica. And I think one of the things that's so cool about strength training is that you feel more confident from within. We've got a few minutes left. Can you discuss a little bit of sort of the psychological mental benefits that come from strength training?
2: Yeah, you just talked about it. The confidence from within. Just think about, you know, you go to the grocery store, you can carry your own bags out of the store. You don't need someone to help you. It's it's a really a feeling of independence and confidence that you get from being able to do things on your own, right? You're unloading, you know, that Amazon delivery person, my poor Amazon person, because all my kettlebells have been ordered through on, through the internet, through e-commerce. I keep my Amazon driver strong too, and my UPS guy. But anyways, where was I going with that? Oh, this the confidence just from being able to do things right and not getting out of breath when you walk a flight of stairs or you're boarding an airplane or you're going on vacation. You know, God bless my sister. I love my sister so much. She was morbidly obese and it's okay. She lets me tell this story. She finally decided to get healthy and she was scared, but she was sick and tired of going on vacation with her family and she would have to stay back while they would go out and they would kayak and they would hike and she would have to stay. And so the confidence that she gained from continuing to strength train, and she learned how to eat healthy. She learned how to address all of the anxiety and stress in her life. So she stopped using food to soothe. And I can't even tell you she's a different person. She's like the poster child for that, but that can happen to all of us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You are never too old. I have done research on people in their seventies and eighties, and your body can constantly be strength-friendly. It just isn't a side benefit. If you've been following me, you know I was diagnosed with breast cancer in April of 2022, and I sailed through my radiation. You know, I was doing my 10,000 steps every day. I felt awesome. Uh, really got through my. I was doing my 10,000 steps a day after my surgery, and so it really puts you in great stead for everything in your life. And let's face it, we also want to look good, and it's Nice, you know, like showing that you have arms that are strong and being able to lift your grandkids. I am not as blessed as you right now, Judy. No grandkids yet. If my kids are listening, guys get busy, but uh, it is so much to do. So if you are looking to start, I encourage you to to connect with Judy. She is on uh, Instagram. Where, Judy? It's like the, I think the coolest place to find you. Where can people find you oh, on Instagram?
2: On Instagram, I am Judy underscore Arazoza. Okay. And that's, I don't know, are we having show notes where you can We have that? show
1: notes. So you can okay. check out the show notes and find her there. She's got a website as well. We're going to take a little break. And when we get back, we're going to be talking with Dr. Lucy Burns, who is going to e- address both the uh, what to eat and how do we actually do it? How do we deal with things like nighttime eating? How do we get realistic about her health? And she's got an incredible story to tell. So you're going to want to stay tuned. This is Dr. Ellen Albertson. You're listening to Rock Your Midlife. We'll catch you on the other side.
2: Become
0: our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com
1: forward slash Voice America. Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and wondering how to get your confidence and joy back. You need someone to help you get real, discover who you are, and navigate life. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I'm here to help. I've worked with hundreds of midlife women, went from surviving to thriving at midlife myself, and literally wrote the book on this pivotal time period. Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, nutritionist, and board-certified health and wellness coach with 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide nutrition consults, life coaching, and free resources to help you transform your body, your mind, your career, and your relationships. Feeling stuck? I can help you figure out how to live authentically with joy, passion, and purpose. Every Wednesday here on Voice America, live from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I share my passion for making the most of midlife and my expertise on the most pressing midlife issues, from changing family relationships, managing stress, and securing enough resources to rediscovering yourself. I also interview experts from around the world to help you navigate your life. For more information, please visit my website, themidlifewhisperer.com, for fabulous resources, including my free gift, 10 Tips to Rock Your Midlife. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. Hope to see you there soon.
0: You are listening to Rock Your Midlife with Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Have a question for Dr. Ellen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Rock Your Midlife. I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Hey, if you want to catch that intention-setting workshop that's going to help you, Rock 2023, get into great shape, change your eating habits from a place of self-love rather than self-loathing, You can check that out. The information is in the show notes. You can check me out on Instagram. I'll also go to my website. It's there as well. So now we're going to shift gear a little bit, talk a little bit more about how to eat healthier, which of course is one of the top things that people do when they set resolutions, but we're going to teach you how to do it right so that you can maintain those healthy eating habits. Our next guest is Dr. Lucy Burns. She is an Australian-based general practice and lifestyle medicine physician who helps women in midlife rebalance their mind and body through low carb real food programs at her clinic through her online business real life medicine and on her podcast real health and weight loss she helps women unlearn toxic diet culture and tap into the science that promotes long lasting health and permanent weight loss welcome to rock your midlife dr lucy awesome to have you here
3: Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Ellen, for having me. It's wonderful. I've just been enjoying this conversation immensely.
1: Oh, thank you. And thank you for joining. I guess it's only like six, seven o'clock where you are, but I appreciate it. And I just love that we can connect all over the world. So before we dive in helping people to eat right, I know you've got a question for uh, for Judy.
3: Yes, absolutely. So Judy, I love um, your your philosophy and I love the fact that you were saying um, that the idea, like, I love a boring workout. I think that's just brilliant. So what do you say to people when, um, you know, when they do come to you and go, oh, you know, I do, I want to change it. I'm bored. I don't want to do it anymore. But you're basically thinking, yeah, but you need to keep doing this. You're not ready to change yet. What, what, what do you, how do you kind of cajole them around?
2: Oh, that's a great question because they will They will get bored and, you know, they don't they're not doing the same exact workout for, let's say, a month at a time because they're coming more than one day a week. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I will let them switch up the order. I mean, like, you know, do you want to within the same week, we're going to do the same things. Maybe we can do them a little bit different. And I just ask them to trust me and bear with me and know that we're only going to do this for four weeks. I mean, sometimes we may even switch after three. Sometimes we go to five you know, but I just say, you know, if you can tough it out, the benefits are going to be worth it.
1: Yeah. One thing I would add to when, when, back when I was a personal fitness trainer, you know, I always tried to get people anchoring the workout to something, whether that was a 5k, I had somebody who was climbing Mitsubishi, somebody else was like going on some bike ride or, you know, a vacation doing stuff with the grandkids, trying to figure out the why and having it anchored in so that the kind of boring workouts, the daily routine kind of has a larger purpose and meaning.
3: Mm. Oh, I love that! Wonderful. Yeah, I love that All right. too.
1: Yeah, let's let's dive into eating right. Um, you know, before we dive into the how to eat right, tell us about your own health shift because I know that you actually faced your own health crisis and you made a huge turnaround. Tell us about that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So I think probably like the most of most women, I started my dieting career at sixteen and I, had, I most certainly wasn't overweight i had a bmi of 21 or something but you know in my mind i was fat because i'm tall and i was bigger and people are always going oh lucy you're a big girl and my brain internalized that to your fat and so i spent a long time dieting and i was a very good dieter as in i could stick to programs But I I had no understanding that about nutrition and and basically it was weight loss at any cost. I didn't care in my mind because my goal was thindom or thinness. And so I would do this being perfect or just being on a bender. And Mm. my benders got longer and longer because I didn't want to go back to that perfect, rigid, hungry, deprived way of living. And so I would just oscillate. And, you know, I found myself heavier than even when I was fully pregnant and I put on 25 kilos with each pregnancy. So I gained a lot of weight and I got to the point in my late forties where, and I just, you know, I was wrestling, oh, well, I'm mid forties, you know, my husband loves me. It doesn't matter. I'll just wear elastic pants. And so I was sort of resolved to that and then found I had pre-diabetes i'd actually tipped into obesity and fatty liver disease and i thought oh, oh i've got to do something and i also recognize that actually there's no upper limit of of your weight like it doesn't just stop I, you know i don't know i'm sure you've done this where you bargain with yourself you go oh you know if i get to 70 kilos which I, and again i'm not I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't, I'm not very good at pounds. It's about but, 60. You know, that
1: oh, seven, 70 kilos. Yeah. So 70 kilos is, is about 150, 160.
3: Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And so you'd bargain. You go, oh, well, as long as I don't go over 200 pounds, that'd be all right. Oh, all right. Well, as long as I don't go over 210 anyway, I got to the point where I just got actually it's never going to stop. So I kind of had to do something and um I, you know, with that pre-diabetes, I had insulin resistance, which are, you know, similar conditions. And so I just thought, well, I've got to do something because I don't, I'm only mid forties. I can't get, you know, I don't want diabetes now. It's, I've got 45 years of living to do. So, um, yeah. So I guess I just sort of uh, did some, you know, did, did my own research as you do, but did a lot of reading, lots of I went back and retrained, did lifestyle medicine, learned about nutrition, learned about protein. And I love that you guys were saying you've got to eat more protein because you're right. Women, because, you know, we were conditioned to think that protein makes you fat. And, you know, I spent so many years eating processed diet food. Um, which tastes which,
1: horrible, by the way, too, and is so expensive. It the only thing good about horrible. it is it's
3: shelf stable. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what, though? I didn't care that it tasted horrible at the time because my brain was just obsessed with getting thin. And so I, I ate horrible food. I did intense, long exercise, all just to get thin. And um, basically, also slowed down my metabolism and, yeah, all of those things. So, reframing my brain into that thing that you guys were saying about it's not a deprivation, it's not. Um diet culture is all about strict and you know using words like cheat days and breaking your diet and you know if you if you're not perfect then you're weak and you're not disciplined and it's a really punitive state of mind so really reframing that and learning self-compassion and recognizing that it doesn't have to be perfect But balancing that up with the story of just letting yourself off the hook every day, because that's what some people also do. I've heard people go, oh, well, you know, Dr. Lucy says it doesn't have to be perfect, so I'm going to do this every day. And it's like, actually, that's probably not that helpful. So just really navigating that balance between perfectionism and just not and no accountability um, is is really been such a a life-changing thing for me. Uh, recognizing that I actually was completely addicted to processed um, refined carbohydrate foods and you were mentioning the bliss point and not realizing that I was falling for every single marketing trick. I didn't even realize it was so subtle. And I used to ha- identify it as part of me, like as, as though I was born with this, you know, like a condition. And it was, oh, you know, I'm you see the Lollitarian and I love, you know, I'm a chocoholic and I'm, you know, it was really part of who I was and recognizing actually it doesn't have to be, I can change that at any stage yeah so that's uh, yeah. really
1: powerful and I, you know the, one of the things i hate about the diet industry too is they teach us to externalize our hunger so we eat yeah. according to a plan number of calories number of points instead of eating when we're hungry and stopping when we're full i don't count any calories i don't count any macros i like to get on the scale um just I, for me i have a healthy relationship with the scale i like to know like my body's kind of where it is but as long as i eat again this whole food plant based diet and occasionally i go off we went to quebec city i went on this we had a 20 course, four hour meal, which was outstanding, you know, with wine and all kinds of things. You can do that as long as, you know, you are sticking to the whole food plant-based eating plan. It's no problem to occasionally go off and we eat a little bit more and you listen to your hunger. Your body's like, okay, eat a little less today and you're fine. You don't need it. And there's no such thing about perfection. I love that you mentioned self-compassion because that's one of my uh, huge ahas for me. My my, uh, research is on self-compassion, body image and women, and really- understanding that we're doing this because we love ourselves, not because we Mm. loathe our bodies. When I was a personal fitness trainer, I guess two decades ago, it was all about, oh my God, when I have the perfect body, then I'll love myself. And we never got there because we were chasing this hamster wheel of perfection, beating ourselves up and also body images in the mind. It's not actually, Mm. it's nothing, nothing to do with the body. So, but yet you still say that moderation isn't realistic. So I'm curious, why do you say that?
3: So I think it depends on, and this is, I think it's really important for people to um, recognize that every single person is different. So I often talk about weight loss as a personal development journey. It's working out what works for you and that there's um, in Australia, we have this saying, which is many ways to skin a cat. And it's um, it means there's many ways to approach a, a, a particular issue or a lifestyle or whatever it is. So For example, so for me, as a person who really, as I said, identified with chocolate, um, I can't, I find it very difficult to regulate it, even now, you know, five years down the track, if somebody gives me a couple of chocolates and I go, oh, okay, you know, I can have one, I can have two, that's not going to, you know, that's not going to do anything, which it's not. But what it does for me is it just wakes up these intense cravings, and then I'm managing my mind, going, "Oh, well, wouldn't mind another one. Oh, okay, how about another one?" And suddenly, I'm eating the whole packet. So for me, the ability to be able to regulate particular foods—it's not every food; it's particular foods—it is much easier for me to have none than some. And I just love the idea that I reframe it as a as easy. It's easy. It's like boring. It's Boring's easy. I love boring because it's easy. You go, oh, good. You know, Steve Jobs, what am I going to wear? Oh, my black T-shirt, easy. Um, What worker am I going to do? The one I did yesterday or the three days ago, easy. It's easier for me to have none than some. And the phrase, one is too many and a thousand is never enough, rings so true to me, as I said, on particular foods. So for me, it is the sweet, sweet refined carbohydrates. I, I can have sweet fruit and I, I don't care about that. I'm not then rushing to the fridge thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind another peach or something. Like I, <laughs> I can have one of those, it doesn't matter. But if that is, if it's, um, you know, uh, uh, Oreo, for example, uh, I don't ever, I could never just have one and leave the packet and have another one the next day.
1: Yeah. I love that you're saying that. And I think the Mm. the key things are that everybody needs to know themselves and that Mm. it is good to have these kinds of limits. And sugar is a good example because honestly, sugar is highly processed research, you know, lab research on animals with sugar shows that it can be as addictive as cocaine. So for a lot of people, it's super addictive, particularly, you know, if you've got high blood pressure issues, you have some sugar, insulin levels go way up and then they come crashing down and you just want more and more sugar. And I find what happens with my clients is when they're able to, to give it up for for a a period of time or forever, like what you're saying, our taste buds actually change. And all of a sudden that peach that I bought some blackberries yesterday and they were amazing. Like they were so, so good. I still, but I can still eat chocolate without that problem. But I know a lot of people have trouble with that idea of moderation. So I'm so glad that you, you absolutely, you know, have mentioned that. And I would say another thing that's so important too about the boring piece is, just get used to eating the same things. I have a green smoothie for breakfast. I mean, I vary what I'm doing. We actually still have kale in the backyard, which is amazing. My partner is a master gardener, but it's, you know, it's berries, it's kale, it's a protein powder, usually collagen. I'll throw in some cinnamon. Um, that's my breakfast. And I've been actually making a lot of these um I make like a, I love to sprout and I make a taco out of uh, a kind of a tortilla that's grain-free. And then lunch, I I kind of skip lunch. I have a big later breakfast. I like intermittent fasting for where I'm at. Um, And then, you know, dinner, usually we have a large salad or a stir fry, or it's just, it's, it's fun. It's delicious. Sometimes we'll just cut up vegetables with hummus and make a little popcorn and watch TV, but making it ritualize, making it simple. What do you do specifically or advise people to do in terms of, you know, having the little black t-shirt <laughs> yeah,
3: approach absolutely. To, to eating? So um, I'm a, a very basic cook, but I make really delicious meals. So for us, and again, for me, um I'm very insulin resistant, so I have to be mindful of my carbohydrates. Now, that's when people go, you don't eat carbs. Yes, I eat carbs. There are carbs in vegetables. There's carbs in in the fruit that I eat. I don't eat refined carbs. So flour, for example, flour, we just call flour savoury sugar. And the reason is that it puts up my insulin levels that you mentioned before. And what insulin does then is it locks away my fat stores, which makes me hungry. And I don't want to live a life of hunger. I love the idea that you can eat. You don't need to eat, you know, 65 times a day. You can eat just a couple of times a day, three times a day, and I'm not hungry in between. I'm not doing that three three o'clock crash where I needed in the past to drink lots of coffee and have a snack.
1: Yeah, and the and whole food sit. plant-based diet is going to both slow down your digestion because you're going to eat, be eating tons of fiber. It also mm. fills you up because it has that bulk. So we get hungry both from, uh, we have various hormones and then also when our stomach actually stretches. And I know for me, I get this really lovely full feeling after mm. I've had like a big salad or, you know, after a smoothie, um, and it is, it's, it's so important to keep it simple and planned. So let's talk a little bit about night eating, because I know that you wanted to really dive into that. So how have we conditioned ourselves to become nighttime eaters?
3: Yeah. So I think there's um, a couple of things. So you mentioned earlier about physiology. So we, again, dieting has often, we've often been depriving ourselves of our adequate nutrition during the day. So often protein deplete by nighttime and with, our brain, our brain is clever. Like it wants to eat protein; it's it's our essential, you know, macronutrient, and it will often make you hungry until you've had enough protein. So you are literally hungry, and you. But your brain's not going, "Oh, I wouldn't mind a boiled egg." It's going, "Oh, I'd love a, you know, packet of Doritos." So it's offering, and I use this phrase that your brain is sometimes like a waiter, and it just gives you options. And then you get to decide what they are, but the options are not always helpful. So sometimes the options are a packet of Doritos, a packet of popcorn, a block of chocolate, you know, and I have this, my little waiter, I pretend he's French and I go, oh, madame, you would like a bucket <laughs> of popcorn? And I go, no, thank you. So, um so really, making sure that you are getting enough protein, which you know it, it can. You can get your protein now. I'm I'm not whole, wholly plant based. I still eat meat, so you can get your protein from meat, fish, dairy, eggs, or your legumes, um, in particular. But what we tend to do is reaching for those more processed carbohydrate foods because our brain says they're yummy but they don't fill you up. They absolutely don't. So we've got the physiology and then the psychology is that Pavlovian response that we know, which we can use to our advantage or it can be a disadvantage. So that idea that you sit on the couch every night, it becomes that habit. You see, Most people sit in the same place when they're on the couch. They don't even shovel it up. Uh, so, you sit in the same spot, and your brain, it's like the waiter goes, Oh, now what we do, now we are going to have our, you know, Prosecco or our popcorn or our whatever it is. And so, when you try to stop that, the brain's, it, it has a little tantrum and it'll go, No, 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 this is what we're doing. I like to know what we're doing. And so, the thing that our brain likes to do, it actually loves, as you guys know, habit and repetition. So it will use the past to predict the future. So it'll go, no, no, we do this every night. What do you mean we're not doing it anymore? And it yeah, has little. And so then you have this, oh, will I, won't I? And you've started this discussion with yourself. And once the discussion starts, that's that awful bit where you're bargaining. And then you'll start going, I'll just have one. And that's always the trick. Such a reasonable story that I'll just have one. That'll be all right. And then you go back, suddenly you're back back doing, you know, you're having the whole packet. So there's a, a lot of strategies that you can do to change the after-dinner eating. Um, but like you mentioned, Ellen, the wishing or just hoping that it happens, you know, with the resolutions, it, it won't. You actually need a plan. You often need some support. Sometimes you need some structure, some guidance, um, and there's yeah, plenty of things that you can do to suddenly change from being a nighttime eater or an after dinner snacker to not. Yeah, that's such a powerful thing. And don't blame it
1: on the fact that, you know, you're going through menopause and it's just your metabolism and it's gonna happen anyway. So why bother? I mean, it's interesting if we take a look from an evolutionary perspective, our ancestors who could sit around the campfire and gorge themselves were the ones who survived. So now when we have way more food than we could put possibly eat in a lifetime accessible, we still have this brain that says, look, there's a fig tree. Let's eat all the figs on the tree. And so we, you know, we, a couple other things that I recommend people doing. First of all, as you said, don't let yourself go hungry. Hunger erodes willpower. If you are hungry, you will not have the willpower to resist things. Um, The other thing is watch the alcohol. Alcohol reduces inhibitions and it also lowers your blood sugar. So you actually are are uh, hungrier and also change rooms. I tell so many people, you know, if you sit and you get in that habit of watching TV, take a hot bath instead, go up to your bedroom and read a book, make a cup of tea, but to change something. So we only yeah. have a couple minutes left. So I want to make sure that Judy has an opportunity to ask you a question because I can see Judy's eyes are just going like, yes, yes. Do you have a question for Dr. Lucy Judy? First
2: of all, I love this whole conversation, but I what I'd like to know is when you first got started, when you knew that you were, excuse my dogs, terribly unhealthy, yeah. if I can get them out, how did you, I mean, you knew what you had to do. Yeah. And at first, did you have to rely on willpower to not reach for the refined carbohydrates or what What helped you get over that hump?
3: So I think two things. One, I originally approached my low carb lifestyle like a diet. I hadn't had that sort of epiphany yet that, I don't need to diet. So it, I started like any other diet with the idea of going to lose weight. So I started following a bit of a plan and because that's that's all I knew. But this amazing thing happened because I'd always done low fat, always, my whole life was completely, you know, I had the dry toast, the meat that had no fat on it, it was like old leather, salad with just vinegar and Suddenly, I, I reintroduced a bit of fat back into my diet, and I—it was like this miracle. I was suddenly full. I—I could eat a meal, and I was full. And I—I I remember about maybe two weeks into it, I got to eating. I was eating an omelet, and I just thought, "I can't, I can't finish this." That had never happened to me in my whole life. So it was like this epiphany that, oh my god, I could actually, you know lose, you know, and essentially remembering I was still approaching it a diet way, lose weight and not be hungry. Like what? This is amazing. And so that was really then what started my whole journey and then recognizing how hoodwinked I'd been for 40 years by thinking I had to do it. I had to diet. So, yeah, so I did follow a bit of a plan and but again, I say to people now, you know, you you can you can use that as a transition, but the thing that you do to lose the weight is the thing that you need to do to maintain the weight. You can't do something harsh and strict and punitive and then expect to be able to go back to your way because it will, it just won't work.
1: Yeah, so, I love that. It's not it's not a temporary measure. It's really changing your life. And don't focus on the weight because when you focus, mm, the weight it takes time. And when you focus on the weight, it doesn't go the way you want it to be. You might give up the lifestyle. You have control over what you eat. And just to reiterate what you said about fat. I and mean, when I was going becoming a dietitian was all in the '90s, which was you know eat less fat. And and now I've changed as well. I mean, I, and eating fat. When we we're talking about healthy fats, we're talking about the plant fats, the olive oil, nuts seeds, avocados, things like that, not the the plant, the, I'm sorry, the the uh, saturated fats, butter and cream and ice cream and those kinds of things, but it actually increases the absorption and of, of the plants and also makes them taste better. So that's Mm -hmm. a great, I'm glad that you mentioned that. So we only have a moment left here, Dr. Lucy, where can people reach you if they want to get in touch with you? I know you've got programs, a podcast, what's the best way for people to get in touch? Yeah.
3: So we have lots of programs. Our website is real life medicine. Uh, I run it with another love, beautiful doctor and real is we're real. And we're not perfect, but we're real, real life
1: medicine. And again, Judy, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you?
2: Uh, Instagram or my website, uh, gratefulfitness.com. Okay.
1: Gratefulfitness.com. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope to see you at the Intention Setting Workshop. Hope you have gotten the message today that it's all about loving yourself to health and making lasting changes that last a lifetime. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to rock your midlife we hope this episode has helped you get real discover who you are and get the tools to navigate your life until we talk again have a fantastic week and go rock your midlife